welcome back to another episode, the first episode of the new year of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. And happy new year, Dave and Fredo. How are you doing? Happy, happy new year. Doing good. We all survived 2020. <laughs> yeah, well, now we're in 2020 epilogue. Yeah, or <laughs> post-credit scene. I don't know. Um, but no, uh, so yeah, so... Christmas, uh, New Year's, how how was it for uh, for all you guys? I, you know, um, we're going to be diving down that road here at one of our topics a little bit later, but did you, I mean, did you have a merry one? It was different. Um, this is the first time ever that I was not around my mom, dad, or Brittany's folks um, for Christmas, ever. We didn't, we didn't go back just because I didn't want to be that guy that, you know, brought COVID to mom and dad i'd rather have you know um decade more decade or decades more you know phone calls than one last christmas so we stayed home yeah so but it was it was kind of fun we uh still did some cooking and uh actually what christmas day was the pelicans and then um the saints and then we watched wonder woman 84 which may maybe we'll chat a little bit about that have you guys both seen wonder woman 84 all right, so we yeah. got nods. We don't have to talk about it right now. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But you guys, what? How was uh, Christmas? Fun? Different? Uh, yeah. Uh, for me, I actually, uh, because my folks wanted it, I did. Uh, we did do a bit of a road trip to Houston to see. Well, we're originally going to see both of my brothers who live out there, but <laughs> as we're driving, we get a warning. By the way, my baby brother goes, "I tested positive on the rapid test." So we're like, whoops, we can't see you now. And, the, so, and the, so the so the song turned from westbound and down to eastbound and down. <laughs> yeah, no, no. We ended up actually staying at my brother with my nephew, sister-in-law. We just basically hunkered down at his place. and uh, But it was all right. I mean, actually, he took my – so my baby brother did take the PCR test Sunday, which was the earliest he could take. It came back negative, which is positive. No, good news, put it that way. Um but really, it was mostly watching a lot of TV, playing a lot with my nephew. My nephew was just begging for more time, pleading for more time. Because at first, we're like, well, we'll come back sooner, you know, not to where you're welcome. You know, house guests and fish heads began to both begin to sink after three days. So we're like, well, you know, we're kind of cramping everybody's style. We're like, but he kept begging and pleading, so he stayed an extra day, uh, which was all right. You know, make gingerbread houses watch a lot of Disney plus watch every Christmas movie known to man and uh, go see some Christmas lights and just kind of hang out. And so it's pretty good. We all stayed indoors. I think the only time we left was to go, okay, we're going to go drop this off at my other brother's home from a distance. Okay. We're dropping at the bottom of your stairwell. Bye. Merry Christmas. <laughs> throw throw so, it at him from across the street. <laughs> basically, basically, you know, and so, but other than that, I mean, uh, you know, after we get back, rest to try to rest as much as possible it's, it's amazing how quickly vacations fly away when you're a grown-up you think there's such a oh my gosh you got a whole week off no you don't you got a couple of days because the other days are spoken for by everybody else See, I, I disagree i remember i thought when i was a kid that christmas break lasted forever and it was awesome and now as adult well first of all i had like you know, only a day or then I took a day of personal leave or whatever. So as a teacher, of course I had, you know, the two weeks off, but you're always like, Oh, okay. I've got seven more days. Oh, I got six more days. I mean, you're counting down to your execution basically, you know, <laughs> but, um, 
Dave, how are things in the Glado household? Good. Yeah, we had we had a good time. The kids were uh, spoiled. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a long year for everybody, so we wanted to make sure that we spoiled them a little bit. Um, and uh, so they made out like bandits. You know, it was interesting for me personally. Was um, we lived in New Orleans for um, what is it, fourteen years now? And um, I uh, I had not done certain things on the new orleans christmas checklist so like we we were able to check a bunch of those boxes this year i'd never done christmas in the oaks so we did that um i had never had the uh eggnog daiquiri uh from you know the drive up daiquiri stand so we did that and um i'd never heard the 12 yats of christmas oh, that was yeah. a big yeah, that was a big long Twitter discussion where everybody's like, "How could you not have heard that song?" So I don't How listen. Did you to, miss it? I don't listen to mainstream radio, you know. So I, it was just, it was never played anywhere else. Well, of course, I yeah, it's counted. either either hear it on the radio or the only the other time I've ever heard it was um, at Christmas in the Oaks because they always had a little display there where you know they'd have the song going. But yeah. Now uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do now cuz you know Dick's pack of 60 isn't going to make much sense in a few years. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, half of the references in that in that song no longer make sense. Oh yeah. No. No, that's just the reality of it, you know, the ain't there no more reality of a lot of stuff in New Orleans. But yeah, no. I was going to say Last couple of times I've seen it, I've seen it on WWL TV on like the six o'clock newscast, like days before Christmas. They'll play it every time, and then they'll play it again in the morning, in the morning news. They'll they'll oh. be like at eight o'clock or at eight thirty. They'll put the video that goes with the song, and you're like, yeah, it's, it's again, it's part of the tradition. You got to see it. And that's why I'm like, wait, how did you how did you miss it? How do you manage that trick? Because I'm more impressed than anything. Because so, it's almost inescapable. So it's like, well, I'm not. Ahead, I've never Dave. been a. I I never worked for WWL, so maybe that's part of the thing there. I've always gotten my news from other sources. I don't know. Mm. Um, so the one thing, I, first of all, we went to Christmas in the Oaks um, like last week, and so, and it's first time in a while. You know, apparently everybody in New Orleans has told us that that's the way it used to be was a drive-through thing. So right. I, okay, I understand. Yes, used to be that way. Okay, don't at me. But anyway, it was but it was nice. You know, I it was it was it was nice, but I I prefer the getting out walking around, you know, it seemed like there was more and it wasn't, you know, just like going through a drive-through uh, uh car wash. But anyway, it was cool. The thing I missed though was the you know, in the in the the walk around version, they'd always have the uh the Cajun night before Christmas. Mm-hmm. I I love that version. I just I just find it so very cool. Um, but I thought uh, the Christmas in the Oaks, I think is, is awesome. It's awesome what they did. And I think it's really cool. They could have just said, no, we're not going to do it this year, but they really did a good job at, um, you know, putting that together. Well, it's in it's what I want to say it's the, it's city parks, biggest revenue driver year after year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, they get the most visitors every season outside of say events like, you know, the, when they used to do, uh, uh, what you call Hawks for the Cost at City Park when they used to do voodoo at you know, you know, at the park. You know, the the one event that you're guaranteed that will always be packed is uh, Christmas in the Oaks from day after Christmas, uh, Black Friday through 
now uh, whenever they get done where we live in gentilly you know we drive down you know um wisner boulevard or wisner whatever you know just mm-hmm. a bunch right, you yeah. know it's the way we get to mid-city and everything and there is always traffic backed up like almost to the over the 610 overpass you know there mm-hmm. and it's just like oh my gosh so there you know when you talk about what 20 bucks a car it's like that, that money adds up quick you know just to hang some <laughs> lights on a tree um but um so apparently in metairie there was in a park there was um some star wars stuff that yeah, left near park uh, i yeah, didn't, I didn't near... get to it so have to next year but there was they had an they had an ad at and um uh what mm-hmm. else there was a tie fighter maybe? okay yeah they uh yeah, they were also backed up. Normally, they're backed up a little bit down uh, West Napoleon Boulevard. Uh, but this not they were really, because again, normally they do the drive up and there's a walking around section uh, similar to uh, City Park. But in this case, Lefty Park was very much like, you know, City Park drive only. So that, I mean, you would be driving alongside of it and that thing would be backed up big time as well. So. Good news is everybody was trying to get out there, get some Christmas spirit. Bad news was if you're in that line, you're going to be in that line for a hot minute. And you lose your Christmas spirit being in the line. But Dave, oh, yeah. uh, Santa was nice to the kids, huh? Yeah, they got a Nintendo Switch. Oh, awesome. Yay! Awesome. Yeah, you've been telling us about the games that you've been playing. Um, I guess uh, what are what are some of the good ones that you've played so far with the kids? Um, you know, it's funny. We... Uh, Dad gravitates to more of the indie titles, the smaller, the $10 purchase titles, whereas the kids gravitate towards the uh, $60 official Nintendo uh, release, uh, uh, those kinds of games. So it's it's funny. Um, we all have kind of have our own interests. Um, but yeah, you know, we um, we got a lot of the big ones. You know, Smash Brothers, Mario Odyssey. Mario Odyssey uh, is really cool, and it, I have a fear of heights, and it freaks me out every time I play it. I love playing it, but it <laughs> freaks me the hell out. <laughs> I uh, Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. Um, but yeah, you know, Luigi's Mansion, a bunch of others. Um, so yeah, you know, we've been... We've been working our way through all those games, and the kids have been having a heck of a good time with it. So, but now uh, you're you're a, you're now and you're you're going to be joining me at Betty Ford for recovering from a certain game now, right? Oh yeah, Super Mario Thirty Five. Like that game is so much fun, and it's addictive. You get done with one, yeah. and you just hit rematch and rematch. Yeah. So it's like if you if this had to be a quarter each, I'd spend forty bucks probably playing this game. So oh, they make it way too easy for you to just jump right back in. It's like if you whether you finished first or 35th, you're you're it's like, oh, I'll just hit this little button here and oh, I'm back in. Have you been accidentally yeah. killed by the first Goomba? No, I, I think the lowest I've finished is like 32nd. I'm, uh, I did. I did get killed by the first Goomba, I think, once. Yeah, it just ticked you off, but. <laughs> but yeah no it's sad that game's only going to be around till march but oh well I mean, you can't argue with free so uh, yeah and yeah. i can't ima- and I, I, I can't imagine what the servers the servers have to be like on fire oh, yeah mean, it's insane like you think about the just the logistics of that game and the way the way it runs it runs so beautifully 
and you got to figure all these different people are playing it at once and that's just one game you know like there are multiple games that they're serving up at once and uh one of the one of one of the most fun games i've ever played i'd I'd never seen it before but we were in denver um around my birthday we always used to go to um estes park and stay at the stanley hotel and then we went in denver to go some microbreweries and stuff like that and um and uh our friend james he's like oh you got to go to one up and it's in the lower downtown lodo and one up is it's like if you walked into miss may's and it was filled with pinball machines and 80s video games and served food. So, and, and I mean, so you had good beer, you had, it was kind of a dive bar type, you know, feel to it. And I was sitting there playing Donkey Kong. I'm, I'm 40 years old and it's like, I, mom can't tell me only a dollar I'm spending, you know, if I spend $20 on Donkey Kong, that's what I do. You know, it's like go to the quarter machine. Um, but anyway, we played, it was a Pac-Man game where it's like, it's a tabletop and four people can play at once. And so you're not just, you know, trying to gobble up as much as you can, but you can like attack and kill the other people. I don't know which Pac-Man game that is, but it was just like, oh my gosh, I like didn't know this was missing from my life. This was so much fun. And that's what Super <laughs> Mario 35 is like, because you can choose where your bad guys go to, the ones you kill. You can just send them randomly and it's like, you know, no harm, no foul. Or you can like, no, these people who are attacking me, I'm going to send all the stuff to them or you can target one person specifically if you want to. So depending on how, you know, evil you want to get, but, uh, yeah. So. yeah. So, well, the thing that kills me is this problem is that they're going to be pulling the plug on it so soon because this level of support, this level of attention, this level of just fan interaction is not easy to get. And just last year, um, um, they had this big old Marvel Avengers game that, Right now, nobody's playing, despite the push for it, despite the discount, despite having the brand name recognition, because it's not a fun game. Whereas Super Mario 35 is such a fun game, and everybody who plays it just goes, oh, no, we keep playing, and we keep playing, and we keep playing. And that tells you that it's connected with people. So it's shocking to me. They're just going, nah, March 1st, we're done. So I, I want to know how it works. The cynic in me, you know, first of all, it's like cool, because it's like I'm playing with people all over the world. This is like... You know, Google Docs gone mad, right? You know, but then I'm like, yeah, I'm probably just playing Super Mario 35 against a simulator. I'm playing Super Mario Brothers against a simulator <laughs> where they just, okay, yeah, let's just tell them some kid from China and another one from Italy. And, you know, it's, you know, I don't know, but I would like to see how this works because I can't imagine just the, I mean, to make sure there's not the lag time and all, I, I just like to know the logistics behind the whole thing. But anyway, uh, well, we'll have to have more uh, Nintendo Switch conversations. Do you guys have Mario Kart, by the way? No, that one was the one we didn't get. Okay. Um, well, hmm. so you trying to keep the peace in the household? <laughs> I, want, I want to race <laughs> against somebody in Mario Kart beside because I'm addicted to Mario Kart. However, I got to tell you, so I, I told Dave that I hadn't been playing Super Mario 35 for a while because <clears throat> the, one of the games I got for it was from my brother for Christmas was, um, uh, PGA. It's just golf. It was, you know, two K two one. And I'm laughing as I play this. Cause like I get done with work and I go and I play 18 holes of golf. And it's like, you guys seen the, uh, the, um, the South park guitar hero episode. 
Yes. Where he goes, I just need to here. Have you ever played heroin hero? You just, it's really <laughs> calm. You just chase the dragon, you know, injecting heroin and just didn't it's. And so they show Stan just playing this mindless game, you know, and that's the way I feel I'm playing golf. It's like, there's nothing to it. You're just hitting a ball down the fairway and it's just, you know, so I feel like I'm playing heroin hero at that point. All right. Well, we'll talk, we'll have to have another video game episode, even though it seems like we just did. Um, but, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's do some trivia. We haven't done star Wars trivia in a couple weeks. So Fredo, I think I need to get my readers. Fredo got glasses, everybody. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I finally had to break down and I keep telling everybody like, look, when I finally got them last week, I put them on. It's like the whole world went to high definition. Dude. Same. When I got my contacts, uh, I went for years without wearing glasses and I mm-hmm. needed to. And then I got contacts. I was like, holy cow i mean it was instantaneous it's like i can't believe i didn't kill more people you know while mm-hmm. driving or anything like that right no no everybody's asking me if i'm gonna get contacts i'm like look i'm taking it a step at a time six o'clock in the morning is not the time for me to be poking my eyeballs out but uh so anyway uh yeah so i need my readers to now shift from the screen to the cards uh, that's what happens when you get old um all right dave you're first where in Cloud City does the lightsaber duel between Luke and Vader begin? I'm going to say the carbon freezing chamber. That is exactly it. Ding, 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 ding. Which that will get into our first topic here in a minute. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, um, Fredo, all right. First one I look at. What does the Dagobah swamp creature swallow and then spit out? And remember, this is a family show. Uh, swallow, it swallows and spits out R2-D2. There you go. R2-D2. Ding, 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 ding. It doesn't just kind of spit. It kind of goes, boom, or across yeah, the Yeah, it hawks a loogie across, across the yeah, Dagobah. The swamp. All right. So mine, the first one I see, who does Jabba call a weak-minded fool? By the way, little funny little thing. If you ever watch Jedi again, um, notice that the Hatties that Jabba is speaking has the same number of syllables as the English translation at the bottom mm-hmm. because they're speaking English on set and they made the Hatties match that to match lips. So it's just kind of interesting. But anyway, weak-minded fool, he calls that to Bib Fortuna. Ding, ding, ding. There we go. All right, we're all well-rested. We're starting the new year strong. Um so let's uh, get into some news. Fredo, what's been going on in the Star Wars world? Okay, so I'll uh, guess I'll break down the room for a moment just to kind of uh, bring up some more serious, a bit bit of serious news. Uh, so with the holidays, the family of voice actor Tom Kane was done voice work for Clone Wars, most specifically the voice of Yoda. But he's also the guy who does the voice at the opening, I believe, of every episode. You know, when he's doing kind of the newsreel voice, uh, he suffered a stroke two months ago that has large, left him largely unable to speak. Uh, so taking this from Variety, uh, his daughter wrote on Facebook that he had a left side stroke that gave him right-sided weakness and damage to the speech center of his brain. It means right now he cannot efficiently communicate verbally, can't read or spell. He is still competent and very much himself, but he can only get out a few words at a time. So as you can imagine, you know, for a guy who, where his primary work is voice acting, 
to not be able to speak has to be, I mean, devastating, not to mention all the other effects that he's had. So best of the law, you know, all the you know best healing thoughts and everything to him and his family. Yeah, that's that. That's a that was a sad story, to be sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, his family says he's in good spirits, and he's he is working with neurologists. He is working with uh, a therapist, speech and occupational. So they're they're trying to do. They don't know what his impact's going to be, but that I think is the um, you know that's where he's at, and it's kind of sad, particularly you know as we're going to get new uh, TV animated TV shows from Star Wars coming up that he might not be available for that. So moving right along to less sad news. Uh, we'll go to speculation you brought up today uh, that uh, I got eh, actually might have been leaked today. So there's a report over on We Got Discovered that uh, apparently X coming from World Disney World, Walt Disney World Pro of Pirates and Princesses. I claimed that Robert Downey Jr. <clears throat> could be reuniting with John Favreau for some sort of major role in The Mandalorian or one of its spin-offs. The claim is that Downey Jr. and Favreau, who remember Downey, you know, they started the whole MCU with Iron Man. They're working on something set in the Favreau Filoni Star Wars Cinematic Universe. In other words, Mandalorian or one of its spin-offs. It would be a significant recurring role and not a cameo, me, uh, not a cameo. and it may involve a long-term contract. As the type of character he could be portraying, the scooper wrote that the potential role may be very different than that of Tony Stark or Iron Man. He might involve a serious change in appearance, and he might be playing some kind of alien villain. <laughs> Boy, which talk about course, hitting you over the head with it. It was serious exactly. change of appearance. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, it would not shock us at this point if Robert Downey Jr. takes a role like Grand Admiral Thrawn. Or some other major piece is what they say, and I'm like, really? You don't say? You don't say? So, you know, and see, Lucy is knowing that now. I'm going to take issue with it, but <laughs> yeah, well, no, and I don't take issue with it. It's just my my thing is that, and as much as I I really like Robert Downey Jr. and I think as Iron Man and Tony Stark, it was a great character and it was great. But I still, whenever I every most everything I see Robert Downey Jr. in, I see Robert Downey Jr. from Back to School you know what i mean yeah. he's he's a little bit he's a little bit of vince vaughn where it's like you can and so i'm hoping that you know if he is you know can it can it be something where it's like you don't realize that it's robert downey jr you know and especially if it's in the mandalorian you put him in mandalorian armor then it's just going to be like i don't know you're just gonna I, so um but I mean, that being said, I think I, I think have done well. I think he's an awesome actor. He's you know, mm-hmm. I think it'd be cool. And we know he can play villainous roles. It's just I mean, am I? I'm it, sorry. Am I? Am I wrong? Right. Does he have that little bit of a you know? It's like he's you. You can tell all of his roles. It's him. You know what I mean? Or am I mm-hmm. just a little bit too sensitive? No, you're not. You're not sensitive because it's one of those things where. Um, He's famous enough that, for example, like you take his t- look at his take on Sherlock Holmes. As much as I enjoyed it, and I did enjoy it, there was almost no way to separate that from his Tony Stark, because it's smooth talking, fast talking, kind of a smart ass, you know, smarter than the smartest guy in the room, kind of take. So they're characters of a similar nature. So 
it was very easy to kind of go, well, it's just Robert Downey Jr. Now, if, playing the same role. If he was, and, and to be fair, I mean, Harrison Ford is obviously Harrison Ford right. in everything that he does. Um, mm-hmm. If he was doing Grand Admiral Thrawn, he would have to act different than anything that he's done mm-hmm. before. Because there is no sarcasm in Thrawn. It's all, he's a tactician. He, it's all business. There is no humor. There is no, you know, it, the, and in Rebels, you got a little bit of, you know, admiration of art. And you get that in the, in the books as well, a little bit too. But still, mm-hmm. he's, he's just a tactician and, you know, ruthless. So, mm-hmm. but he's not emotional. You know, or, it, or when, when he's emotional, it's it's almost like it overwhelms him. It's a moment, and then he, he, and he snaps the lid shut on right. So that would be that would be interesting. It'd have to be something different for Robert Downey Jr. Now watch, Robert Downey Jr. is just going to play Din Djarin's like stepbrother or something. But <laughs> Biff, Jaren, Biff Jaren, Biff Jaren, <laughs> yeah, Biff Jaren. Back, background spectator number six. Exactly. <laughs> no, he's he's going to be he's going to be Frogman. Oh gosh! <laughs> We're gonna find out he was actually already in it. He was Frogman. I I yeah. will say off of dovetailing off of one thing you said though, it's really important that everybody that listens to this podcast needs to check out Back to School if you haven't seen it yet because <laughs> it is an underrated classic. It, yeah, no, it totally is. <laughs> yes, uh, especially like yeah, how Rodney Dangerfield gets Kurt Vonnegut to write his paper on Kurt Vonnegut and. <laughs> And the teacher says, whoever wrote this obviously knows nothing of Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So we'll move on to the last bit of news, which was actually the big bit of news from yesterday, which was uh, StarWars.com had a big launch event for the High Republic, which officially kicked off today with the releases of Light of the Jedi and What's the name of the other book? Apologies. Light of the Jedi and A Test of Courage. So Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule, uh, Test of Courage by Justina Ireland. They're the adult and young adult books that are kicking off the High Republic event. But yesterday, and they put it on YouTube, they put it on StarWars.com. They had this hour-long so uh, video where all five of the main authors kind of discussed the process of how the High Republic went and the kind of, you know, they took that idea of the, out of that line from Obi-Wan's speech in A New Hope about for a thousand generations, the Jedi Knight for the guardians of peace and justice. So I was kind of like, okay, that we want to see that. We want to see the Jedi in their prime. And they talk about going to Skywalker Ranch and getting up and pitching in front of the story group and one another, the ideas and characters that they wanted to uh, reveal or, or work on or, kind of like started mapping everything out. And I think uh, Daniel Sailor said they had to literally throw us out of there because we didn't want to leave. So um, so they had a big bit of a trailer. They showed concept art for some of the new characters that we're going to meet, both heroes, villains, and some of the other characters. Uh, they kind of started describing some of who they were. Uh, I, I did love that Aaron kind of goes, you know, there's a character known as Buckets of Blood. And it's like not very Star Wars. That's, yeah, that's it. That did hit me. That was Daniel Jose Older, and so we're gonna yeah. have to see if we can get him on the show so we can have him talk about buckets of blood. Um, but uh, yeah, his story was. I mean, there was always a guy when he was an EMT. 
So there was a guy who's like known as Buckets of Blood that, you know, it was, he was another EMT. And he said that he would always talk about himself in the third person, say Buckets of Blood is on the scene, you know, and just, just so he was like, that has to be a character. And he's a Jedi and he's this huge monstrous looking thing, but he said, apparently he's just a big teddy bear, you know, a big gentle giant really. Um, which, uh, which is actually going to be way to go, Daniel Jose older, because now you've just opened up for, it wouldn't be in the 501st, but you know, um, in the, uh, the rebel Legion, you know, it's kind of tough. You know, I, I always get crap for, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? You know, it's like, well, kind of, but shut up. But I mean, but really it, there's big guys are kind of, it's kind of tough to, you know, to cosplay sometimes, you know, without, and I, I'm, I'm treading lightly cause I don't want to offend anybody, but I mean, there's, you know, it, so this, if you got some big, if you start writing some big guys, you know, so it's not like, all right, how much do you weigh? Okay. You're a Gamorrean guard then. You know what I mean? It's, uh, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's kind of cool that we're getting some, a little bit of, uh, uh, it'll open some opportunities that way. But yeah, the name buckets of blood, it sounds like, that that struck me because I had it playing when I was working. I was like, "But, but what?" <laughs> Bucket. So I want I want to hear him talk more about it. Yeah, and what's interesting is all five of the authors. I mean, they're each working on a major. So the the way that they design the whole High Republic concept is it's going to be multimedia, multi phase. They're going to have comic books through uh, Marvel, IDW. They're even going to have a manga anime uh, manga uh comic through this media they're going to have adult books young adult books uh kid books they're gonna have uh a bi-monthly i believe a youtube show discussing it uh bi-monthly show yeah uh on they, they already kind of broke it down to then it's going to be three phases so phase one lot of the jedi phase two quest of the jedi Phase three trials of the Jedi. So it's multi-year. They're not, this isn't just, uh, okay, we're kind of doing this for right now. Then it's going away. And then of course, what they didn't mention on the whole presentation that yes, because I think they wanted to focus on the publishing aspect was we're also getting a TV show, the acolyte, which is going to be set during the hot Republic. So they're, you know, Disney and Lucasfilm are throwing a whole lot of chatter this way. Well, and, and this is what we've talked about. We we wish was more evident in the sequel trilogy. This this type of planning and collaboration, um, because that is absolutely obvious when you're listening to the authors speak. Um, you know, talk about the writing retreats and everything like that. You know, now this is just an ignorant comment. It didn't, but it doesn't sound like that happened with the sequel trilogy. It was like, all right, JJ, go. All right, Ryan, go. All right. Oh, crud. Who? Yeah. Okay. Okay. JJ go, you know? So, um, yeah. So I, I think it's kind of cool. And also it's kind yeah. of being, it's kind of in working in parallel with what they're doing with Disney plus and all the potential crossovers that they got going there with all their mm-hmm. series. Oh yeah. Not oh, crossing, yeah, not crossing over with the, um, high Republic stuff, stuff, but right. it's just the fact that they are weaving these things together. I, I'm uh, I'm optimistic and also a little wary, in the sense that it's kind of its own thing. 
So they have a lot of freedom. This is a time period that we don't know anything about. So they have the, all this freedom to do whatever they want with it. Um, excites me. Like they don't have to worry like, oh, we got to tie in with this TV show or this movie or this character needs to be here at this time. We can't do that. We can't do this. So they have so much freedom to do what they want. I guess where I'm a little wary would be, are we going to, set ourselves up for retconning all of that stuff later on. It's like, okay, now we're going to do our TV show and now we're going to change this detail and this other detail. Cause that always throws fans for a loop when you invest in this written material and then they change it later. Yeah. It kind of sounds like though they might be safe because it's, it, it sounds like everything is the only thing that the, all these have in common is that they're Jedi and that there's this one big event, right? Right. You know, and so it's kind of like the certain point of view books where it's like, you know, everybody's off doing their own things. These are, you know, they can do their own thing centered around this same event without, you know, getting into too many problems with messing with somebody else's story. Because yeah, because I'm trying to remember one of the authors, and I forget whether it was. Daniel or Charles or Kevin or whoever made a mention that basically at this point in the Republic's history, there were Jedi, not necessarily temples, but enclaves all throughout the galaxy. So they were a bit more able to respond to things. So they're more, people are more cognizant of the Jedi. They're more actively involved in events and responding to situations. This wasn't, so they could have something happening in one corner of the galaxy where there's, big situation happening and that could be the focus of one of the big books they could have meanwhile another one of the characters we introduced earlier run off and do their own little adventure on a comic book series or in a manga or in a young adult book you know and then kind of reference it back in a later book kind of like what they did with the new jedi order you know publishing effort about what, 20 years ago when they did that so there's an opportunity for them to kind of branch off and explore and do different ways and Kind of give everybody something like if you don't like this, well, you like this. If you don't, if you only want to focus on the main story, just buy the five big books and ignore everything else. Uh, but I gotta imagine, I agree with you, Aaron. I imagine at some point, if this takes off, I mean, we know we're getting the accolade. I imagine we'll get at least an animated show somewhere down the line based on these characters, if not more. And you know, if it really hits it off with fans and whatnot, well, there could be a movie in come what 2030. Um, and by the way, we need to, since we are the Who Dat Jedi podcast, we're a New Orleans, you know, um, based Star Wars podcast. Two of the authors um, are from New Orleans. Uh, I thought, I thought it was Older, three. And, well, no, there's two of, the, two of the authors. Brittany isn't writing for this yeah. project. That's so right. That's right. It's Daniel Jose Older is uh, uh, doing a comic. And um, uh, Claudia Gray is uh, doing She's... one of the books. Um, so... Um, yeah, both, uh, yeah, Claudia's book is the young adult book into the dark that comes out next it was, month. It was, it was and, kind of uh, funny listening to them talk about hurricane Zeta. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. So, so it got a new Orleans connection there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lucy's excited for it too. <laughs> Does Lucy oh, want yeah. in the room or out of the room? She's out of the rooms in case she has a total freak out. <laughs> which is part of the reason she's you're hearing her now she's like let me in 
Hell, what you yeah. doing in there? What you doing? Well, and that's the thing. German shepherds need to know where their people are at all times. Like Ellie lays at a certain point. Sorry, it has nothing to do with stars. Lays at a certain point in our house where everything is triangulated. She can know where I am, where Brit is, and where the door is. So she's just she. And if one of us gets out of that triangulation, then she moves, so that she sets it up again. So she keeps an eye on her people. So it's just kind of interesting. Um, all right. Uh, are there any more news? I'm sorry. No, that's it. That's it for this week. Um, I mean, I, it's, uh... I, I do want to say one thing real quick because one of the one of the authors you mentioned, Justina Ireland. Um, I'm, I'm going to rant for a second, not about her, um, but about what people are are giving her crap about on Twitter and it, you know, Twitter people being idiots. Um, but it's that should be the new slogan, right? For Twitter, Twitter people being people, idiots. people being idiots. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean. But people are go are Star Wars quote unquote fans are losing their minds because they found out that a black woman is writing Star Wars novels, and it it's just like you got to be effing kidding me! I censored myself there, you know. It's like our I every time you think that okay we're every time you think that we're making a bit of progress, you realize we're making no progress whatsoever. But I'm sorry. I am going to say that if anybody calls themselves a star Wars quote unquote fan and thinks that sort of stuff or loses their mind because a black woman has an audacity, has the audacity to write a star Wars novel, then get out and don't let the door hit your butt. Actually, actually, you know what? Let the door hit your butt about three or four times on the way out. You know, I don't, I don't want to hang out with those people. I don't want people to, uh, that just it just makes me mad and it's like just in ugh, I, I'm, now my rant is starting to get i'm gonna start swearing i need to drink beer but i i don't understand why why is this a thing it doesn't even make sense no it's like are you gonna are you gonna take offense over an author writing one story this is like there's not room for one story from a different voice or a different perspective is it's it's, it's it's dumb it's stupid it's 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 just you're right you're right to rant i'm ranting yeah. with you and it, you know it, it, i'm sorry go ahead fredo no i was just gonna say it's it's insecurity it's it's very much gatekeeping it's an attitude that says i want my star wars to be just for me and about me and not and to right not to limit it one of the things that i've loved particularly in the last 10, 15 years or so, whether it's Clone Wars, Rebels, the sequels, whatever, is that Star Wars authors and creators have made a good effort of being inclusive, of being expansive, of being willing to tackle and bridge and create and expand and you know recognize the wide variety of opportunities and peoples that we are. And if you don't see that as a treasure, then you're missing half the point of Star Wars. Well, okay, so you're missing like a huge point if you're thinking this way because guess what, guys? The good guys like diversity and the bad guys didn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, yep. that's just that was the big, uh, there was nothing but, you know, there was nothing but white males in the Empire, folks. 
you know i mean mandalorian threw in a few women just just in case you know and i guess but yeah but i mean really in the if you grew up with star wars that was a huge plot point if you you know read any of the novels anything like that it was like the emperor did not like aliens the, the emperor um, did uh, not like aliens you know it's like that and they're saying that those are the bad people it's like so i'm ugh, yeah the whole the whole uh, plot line with uh, the Wookiees, you know, being enslaved and all these sorts of things. The Ugnaughts being enslaved. There's there are all these examples. Um, the Thrawn novels, the modern Thrawn novels from Timothy Zahn, deal with that and, and Thrawn having to work through these trust uh, barriers within the Empire because he's this Alien. outsider. Yeah, and that's good stuff. And, you know, it's just overt. <laughs> I don't know how you can miss it. So anyway, so doubt Justine Ireland is listening to the Who Dat Jedi podcast. But, you know, and we'll clunky this out. But like my grandmother said, don't let the McClunky. get you down. Just, you know, keep writing. I mean, and, and like I said, if you're a fan, no, you're not. A, if, and you're saying that, no, you're not a fan. You're, yeah. Here's all I'll say. Go go you, go on my Twitter feed. You'll see what I said about it. <laughs> yeah. Here's all I'll say. Uh, if you at all, in any way, shape, or form, saw the video yesterday from Star Wars, where the five authors, Justina, Gavin, uh, Claudia, Daniel, and Charles, were talking about it, they are all thrilling. You could see how excited they are, and how much passion they have for this, and how much effort and love they're pouring into creating the High Republic uh, series. And to think, oh my God! Well, uh, no, well, you got two women. <laughs> They're one of them's black. I can't believe you you dare do that. It's like, get out of your head, shut up, and allow. I mean, if if you can't see that these people are gonna give you good stuff, get out. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I I think I said on uh, in our private conversation, I said I wish we could kick one of these people off, you know, off the island, square in the nuts, and like within five seconds. Fredo had a gif that showed somebody kicking somebody in the nuts off an island. So there's a gif for everything, folks, which that video was funny, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. So, okay, so there, my rant is over. And now we're going to move on to Christmas. Christmas. I'm going to pause for a second so Dave can add some Christmas music. I don't by the way, okay, so has everybody seen the uh, the the holiday special now? No, no, I still right haven't seen it. Okay, no. you guys told me to wait. You guys told me to wait. <laughs> we're gonna watch it together. Oh, God. we're gonna we're doing we're gonna do a group watch. Is that what we're gonna do? I thought that's what we were gonna do. All right, well, never mind. Okay, so I won't yell at Fredo then too much, but. And we won't talk about it right now, but we're going to talk about uh, Christmas and it's just kind of a goofy little idea, but this is going to be the, the ghosts of Star Wars Christmas past, present and future. And the reason why I, I, I thought about this, I mean, there's a couple memories. Of course, we, I, you know, I, I we, we all grew up, you know, when, um, when Kenner toys were, and maybe maybe not Fredo as much as like me and Dave, you're closer to my age. Right. Um, so we, we, but we grew up, I've seen the pictures of your Kenner toys that are being, you know, utilized by your, 
niece, right? Right. Um, so, you know, that was, I remember getting the, you know, the Sears catalog, the JCPenney catalog and seeing all the new Star Wars stuff that was coming out and getting excited about it and everything like that. And I saw, so and I, every Christmas I think about this, just there's a couple memories. So I just thought it'd be kind of fun for us to do kind of around the horn and talk about maybe our favorite, uh, Star Wars Christmas memory from the past. And maybe if you, for the present, you know, what did you, did you get anything Star Wars stuff or anything Star Wars related happened during this Christmas, uh, season? And then, uh, maybe for the Christmas future, uh, what is that? What would be the, the, I don't know, the Holy grail, if you will, of if, if there, if you could have one gift, you know, in the future, maybe the Christmas pipe dream or something, I don't know, (laughs) what would it be? Um, so, uh, I guess I, since it was my damn idea, I'll start. And mine's kind of a conglomeration of a couple of, I have like three distinct Star Wars memories, uh, growing up. One, my, you know, my brother was, um, was, uh, on the show a while back and I'll never forget, you know, we, we are, we had a basement where our Christmas tree was and on Christmas morning, my brother went booking down the stairs and you know, our stockings were hung on the mantle you know, uh, of the, and he yanked his stock at the yanked the stocking and it tore the mantle off of the wall and it went crashing down on the brick fireplace. <laughs> but inside that stocking was a Tuscan Raider. I do remember that. That's what I remember from that. But that's just one memory. I have my brother booking down the stairs and demolishing the house. Um, but I do remember one of the two really cool gifts. Um, I'll never forget. Got the Millennium Falcon from Santa. And the presents from Santa were never wrapped. It was, you went downstairs and there was the Millennium Falcon out of the box and sitting on top of the box, all the decals on everything ready to be played with. Um, and I know how much Santa detests those little tasks of putting stickers on and everything like that. When he's got Uh, other things that need to be done and other houses that need to be visited and things like that. I know how, and so, but to go downstairs and there was the Millennium Falcon was incredible. And then a few years later, it was an ad at same deal. Oh, wow. Um, so those are, that was, that was mine though. I mean, to, like I said, to go downstairs and to see those sitting under the tree already, like so just standing out there ready to be played with. That was just really cool. I don't know if that has any discussion to it, but, uh, <laughs> No, it's great. Like the At At and the Millennium Falcon were like two of my most coveted toys growing up. I still have I them got. in this room, by the way. I, I the I have one of the At Ats back here on a display, and the um, Millennium Falcon is actually in a drawer right now. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Dave. Well, we all had those toys that we never got that we coveted, right? And like. Like those were those toys for me, pretty much. I mean, like I, there were probably a few others, but those are the two big ones. I mean, it's like an at at or the Millennium Falcon. I mean, I'm sorry, those are those are amazing gifts. Yeah, I mean, like it's the kind of thing because because you know, like I think we all got the Kenner figures, whether it was Vader, Luke, Han, whatever. So you're accustomed to getting those, and it was cool. Uh, but you wanted the big ship. You wanted the, the, you know, whether it was an X-wing, the Falcon, 
or an ad ad. So you wanted to, because those could become, you know, now you're taking off into space and not from flying. Uh, slight slight uh, deviation. Uh, one of my aunts got my nephew the ATST from uh, Mandalorian, the Lego one. Yeah. Always spent one day building that sucker. And Remember, we're going to be talking is, about Christmas present here, but go so, ahead. Okay, so, but no, but in terms of Christmas past, uh, I think my favorite Star Wars show that I got was a lightsaber. Was the uh, Luke Skywalker Empire Strikes Back lightsaber, the blue one. And I just remember just going around, working my brother with it every time I could, running around with it. You know, because it's one thing, like, you know, every kid at one point or another has grabbed the flashlight and done the lightsaber trick, particularly when the power goes out. But to have a lightsaber, I mean, come on. I mean, it didn't last more than a month and a half, but it was still the most awesome thing ever. Pause for a second. Tangent, have you guys seen the uh, Brittany Williams uh, doing her lightsaber uh Yes, I made a comment about in the backyard. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. I took because she was commenting on how heavy it is, and I'm like, uh, I just kind of made a Game of Thrones reference uh, about how it's as heavy as it needs to be for you to get stronger. And he's like, No, I'm gonna throw my shoulder out here. No. Uh, so, so, so yes. So when when was that? Uh, when was that lightsaber? How old? Oh, were you? about age seven. So, but so, I mean, I mean, like I'm saying it's it's. I want to say it was like 1982 thereabouts. Because who? I, mean, I remember it's the Empire one. Because if it had been just a year later, it would have been Jedi and it would have been great. Was it? Was it one of the one of the first ones where like you had to swing it and air had to get in through the hilt to make the vroom vroom sound? I mean, one of the original like no, I think, toy lightsabers. Dave, you know what I'm talking about? You're kind of nodding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like if you swung it hard enough. It would make it a would sound. Like, it would make a whooshing sound that was almost like the, the, the saber sound. No, it wasn't that one because I don't even remember if it came with sound. I think I had to, I think I had to make my own sound. I think I did the uh, Ewan McGregor lead. No, you don't understand. Trailer. This did not come with sound. It was nature-provided right. sound. It was just... Right. It had little <laughs> holes where the air rushed in and you kind of had the... But no, but this one didn't have that. But still, it lit up and I remember that and that's all that mattered. And so that was awesome. And I still, to this day, I mean, like, I'm always like, that. that's the, the one trick that I'm like, oh, geez, I wish I could go back and get that. Because, you got, I mean, you can get lightsabers now, but it's not the same. Isn't, so. it, isn't it kind of funny that, you know, here we all grow up with this, you know, Yoda telling us that, you know, never for attack, only for knowledge and defense. And the first thing we do when we get a lightsaber is beat our brother with it. Of course. <laughs> well, to be fair, in my defense, he got Han Solo's blaster. For that same Christmas, he didn't want a lightsaber. He wanted a Solo's blaster, which I think I've said this in this podcast before. That led to a whole month of him going, "I shot you." No, I blocked it and deflected it back at you. Which he had, he had no answer to that. It's like, well, I shut you again. I dodged it and I shut you again. It's like, well, I blocked that and I shot I sent it back at you. I mean, and now when kids play, it's like, no, I shot first. Anyway, <laughs> exactly. Dave, what's your? Uh ghost of star wars christmas past oh there's so many um you know we got a uh there was a hoth like snow scape like kind of place that where you know you could like put the wampa in there and the imperials it was like the imperial assault hoth thing i remember like that was really cool we got so many different 
smaller vehicles. I I got a Tie Fighter one year, um, which was really cool because you could blow the wings off of it. Um, there was like a spring mechanism in there, and it would the wings would come flying off. Um, I got the Ewok Village one year. Um, but you know, I, two memories in particular stand out. There was one year where my sister and I, and I'm not sure if it was a Christmas present or a birthday, or it was just something that my mom was buying to set aside for a future gift. And she had gone to Sears and I snuck a look at what she had gotten at Sears and spoiled my sister on what it was or vice versa. The two of us knew. Um, and, and so my mom was just disgusted with the whole affair and shaded us for it. But then, you know, those presents were ruined and it was a Vader figure and it was a uh, I think it was an Imperial figure one of the imperial officers um so that, that you know that that always sticks out in my mind as, as just like that excitement level of you know ah the, what did what did she get us you know and, and and spoiling the surprise a little bit because i think we've all been uh there where we we spoiled a gift of some kind because we were so excited about it and then the other thing that really for whatever reason sprung in to, to mind for me were the Star Wars VHS tapes that were released in the 90s. Um, it was like, you know, watch them again, you know, and it was, um, there were this interview, this particular one, there was an interview with Leonard Malton with George Lucas, and it was cut across all three tapes, all three movies. And so like, they did, it's like a five minute snippet at the beginning of each tape. And the first two snippets, you know, they weren't a big deal. But the third one, it was all about the prequels. And it was like, holy crap, you know, like, this is real. Like, they put, they committed this to tape. <laughs> they put it down. There's, this is happening. The prequels are happening, you know. And so, like, for me, I remember that. My, I think my brother, my sister, and I all got that collection. VHS tapes just because I don't know there maybe there was a big sale or something but uh, uh, it was uh, it was like cool I have my own copies of these movies I can watch them as much as I want and like I said that Leonard Malton interview really uh, jumps out in my mind as being impactful at the time cool so um, so this year Christmas present ah, Christmas presents um, actually still I, it, you know I'm I'm kind of an easy one to buy for easy and difficult because, um, I do, first of all, my mother-in-law always asks for a list. I'm, I'm now, of course, we're, I think we're all at the age where it's like, I don't need stuff, you know, just, it, it just I, I've moved now too many times to know that I don't need stuff, but I still create a list because like, okay, that's fine. So I put, you know, Star Wars stuff on it, but I'm also, um, like my kids, um, my band kid, when I was teaching band, like they knew I was a huge Star Wars fan and they would always bring me like everything Star Wars. And I don't necessarily want everything Star Wars. I collect, but I collect things that I, you know, want. So, uh, so one of the things that was on my, a couple of things that were on my list. First of all, I'm, I'm wearing one. I've, I love these mashup shirts and I'm wearing one right now. Um, it's a Jawa with a recycle uh, symbol and it says recycle your droids. Um, so, 
I think it was T Fury. And then there was another one. Dave, Kate will love this. It's um, a remake of the Joshua Tree album, but with four Jawas. And they're all in the same, um, you know, looking in the same directions. And it says the Jawa, Jawa Tree Utini or something like that. I mean, so it's, but it's a mashup of the Joshua Tree album cover and Star Wars. So I might have to send you the link. Um, so that you might have to get her one of these. Um, so, and, you know, other things, well, I was really kind of psyched about this is, uh, the black series, Darth Vader, because now my bounty hunter, I don't collect the black series stuff, the, the six inch figures, except for, um, the bounty hunters from empire strikes back. I decided, I was like, that, that would be really cool. And so I've got those, but then I was like, I need a Vader. So, so I got a Vader, but the thing was, so my brother-in-law and sister-in-law though, went out on a limb. And, um, and I posted this on Instagram and on Facebook so you can see what they are, but they go to, uh, they really didn't go out on a limb, uh, because I've, you know, known them for so long, but they go to, they go to San Diego comic-con every year. And so, um, so I've gotten some of the star Wars exclusives from them for Christmas. You know, they do their Christmas shopping. It's easy to get Aaron something, you know, at comic-con, um, but of course this year it was, you know, virtual event and there's an artist that my brother-in-law likes, um, that, uh, he was able to get in his virtual queue pretty far up and he, I, he got me the exclusives from this artist and crap, I'm going to forget what the artist's name is. So give me a second. Um, but there are these, uh, like cartoon versions of, um, um, from the Mandalorian and it's, uh, Patrick Ballesteros. Yeah. Patrick Ballesteros. Um, but anyway, it kind of, and this is an audio podcast, but you can kind of see what they, oh, the, yeah. the style, um, that one it's, so I've got one of Mando with the Mudhorn and, and Grogu. And then there's one, this is called just the Mandalorians. And what's awesome is that Boba Fett is driving a DeLorean. Um, you got the armor up there. It's just six by eights. Um, and then you've got, this one's called the babysitter's club and it's got grief Karga and din and Cara Dune and IG 11 and, uh, Grogu. Yeah. So, so that's really pretty cool. Um, but anyway, so yeah, no, um, it was a, it's a, it was a pretty good star Wars haul for me. Good deal. Yeah, anybody, uh, Fredo, did you get anything Star Wars related? Uh, well, I was mentioning that I, uh, we got my nephew the ATST from The Mandalorian. We actually painted as the ATST from that Mandalorian episode uh, uh, that we put together. It actually came with a couple of Raiders and then Cara Dune and Din Jaren, so it's quite cool. So we just spent, it was like something like 800 pieces and we just spent an afternoon just putting it together. Uh, the one thing I did ask for Star Wars related this year that I got was this, which is the Star Wars, the lightsaber collection book, which is actually a really cool book. It's not that big, but it's actually got a lot of, so it talks a bit about combat and whatnot, but what it does is, I'll show you for one character, like they got every character that's been mentioned hinted, uh, appeared on uh, comic books, movies, animated shows. So it describes, shows you the hilt of the lightsaber, describes them as to when you see them, shows you an image of the lightsaber. Uh, like 
I just showed Obi-Wan Kenobi as a Padawan. They have one before Obi-Wan as Jedi. They have Parasofi, Quinlan Vos, Darth Maul. I mean, if you can think of a character, the ninth, ninth sister, if you can think of a character that's appeared in Star Wars that's got a lightsaber or one way, shape, or form, this book apparently has got it up until episode nine because the last lightsaber is uh, Ray's uh, new lightsaber, the one that she turned on at the end of Rise of Skywalker. It's actually pretty, so it's a pretty cool, nifty little book that can just get, it's not too expensive, I don't think. I don't even know where my brother got it, but it's like, okay, here you go. Merry Christmas. And I'm like, okay. And you, know, you start looking at it and looking at it next thing you know, you've gone through half of the book. And and now and envisioning an entire wall with all of the lightsabers that you could have. Yeah. Exactly. That and might be thinking, Christmas okay. future. <laughs> well, go back to uh, Walt Disney World, go back to uh what you call it, um Galaxy Edge and, and just start thinking, which one do I want? Hmm. So Dave, any uh, any Star Wars goodies your way? Well, yeah. Um, so we got um, a friend of mine, and I don't, I'm not sure the circumstances behind it, um, but he ended up gifting me the Star Wars Jedi Challenges um, set, which, uh, for people who don't know, is like the VR version of, you know, you play, you have a lightsaber hilt, and you're basically engaging in uh, lightsaber combat in VR. Um, and so it's very, very cool thing and like a really nice gift um, and like totally blown away by the fact that he did. I, I, I think that the story uh, secondhand was that he, you know, he came into it easily and wasn't using it or something. And so he decided to give it to somebody who was a big star Wars fan. That's awesome. Um, how many, yeah. lamp, how many lamps have you broken? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. Cause the, it doesn't have a, an actual, um, a blade. So it's just the hilt. Yeah, because on so, on par for me, the only time I've ever done anything, well, not the only time, but the last time I did something with VR, I totally knocked my beer over on my friend's uh, living room carpet. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, like you, ha- you got to set it up in a smart way. So with lots of space around you. I'd, um, I'd step on a dog or something. <laughs> <laughs> but the, it was a big hit with the kids. They loved it. Um the light that I can recommend it. I think it's a really fun thing. The the hilt is way lighter than those Galaxy Edge hilts. Uh, those things are heavy. The, this hilt's like super light, so there's a, quite an adjustment period. Um, and there's kind of a build up, like you have to unlock levels and and battles over time. Uh, like oh, you start out on Naboo. But you don't get to fight Darth Maul until you know you win a couple of other battles first. So it's very it's set up like a game, you know, where it's like, well, I got to beat this level and then go to the next level, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's a really cool thing. It's really fun. Um, I, 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 yeah, it gets my recommendation, especially if you can get it like secondhand or get a discount on it, find it on sale somewhere, um, because it's a couple of years old now. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I just did a, like a Google search, and I'm like, they're still selling it for two hundred dollars on Walmart right now. And I'm just thinking, like, my gosh, um, I don't, I don't know if I'd say you should spend two hundred dollars on it unless you just have a lot of money lying around. Um, but it's it's a really cool thing. Cool, cool. Yeah. So, um, Christmas future. Star Wars Christmas future. This is just what would be the, I mean, and we're not putting any of our family members or loved ones on the spot here. You're in, on, in no means obligated to make any of these, you know, wishes come true, but what if uh, you do, we thank you. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, so what are, what are something that, you know, uh, that you think would be just the, or maybe you've had your eye on that. That would be really cool. Uh, I, I, I think let's, let's throw this, let's just throw this out. I think all of us would, I mean, the epitome for anything is if you could have like an actual piece of set or prop or something from one of the movies, actually, that would be like the Holy grail. But I do have to say there's one that I'm looking at right now as a working at home and I've got my star Wars room and everything. Um, Regal robot has some star Wars furniture and they've got, the emperor's throne <laughs> they have two versions of it one has the normal like the way it looks in the movie with the pe- you know pedestal stand but then they also have the desk chair version so with so it's so yeah if you go to regal robot it re- and but it's like the I mean, it's like fifteen hundred dollars for the the regular chair and like thirteen hundred dollars for the desk chair but it looks so cool and it's like if I can, I'm, I'm horrible at saving money, you know, but I might just start rat holing, you know, stuff because that would just be a great, you both are online right now looking for it now, aren't you? Oh no, I'm looking at all the other stuff they have. Like, would you like to have the Han Solo carbonite coffee table? See, that's kind of creepy, but I would, I would like to buy that just to put it in my living room and see what happens when Brittany came home. <laughs> <laughs> or what about the Millennium Falcon asteroid coffee that's table? That's pretty cool, right? Uh, Sixty five hundred bucks, but isn't that isn't that Emperor's chair just like awesome? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that would be. Okay, would you just okay? Would you get the the armchair, put it in your living room, and just put it in a spot to be constantly turning around? Is that what you spend half the time doing? Just just turning around <laughs> to kind of get the the, the the turn just right every time. Yeah, when when somebody when Brett comes home, yeah, just yeah. I've been expecting you. <laughs> I told you to wait on the command ship. Yeah, that that that, that would that last would one old. day. That would get <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. I'm just picturing that, you know, like positioned right in front of the front door. You know, and then somebody comes through the front door. And yeah, because we got that. Well, actually, you know, we've got that long. We got that, you know, long foyer, and then you know, our living room is right there. You could position the chair right there, but yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive. So yeah, um, but not, like I said, Regal Robot has some has some cool stuff. I don't know. Uh, Fredo, what would be Christmas future for you? Uh, Christmas future, actually, well, two things. One would be obviously being able to go to other Disney World, Disneyland, go to Galaxy's Edge. Love to go with my brothers, go on the rides, go to the cantina, 
I need a ticky mug. I need a a lightsaber from from a Doc Ondar. So you know that kind of thing. The other thing, like okay, like if we're going like, and it wouldn't be a thing. It'd be kind of like having a beer with Mark Hamill. That'd be yeah. like, like okay, Christmas. Okay, well not Christmas, but just a day to share a beer with Mark Hamill. It'd be cool. You know, they don't necessarily have to talk Star Wars. Could talk any of the other stuff he's done. We talk eight is it, enough. Right, whether it's eight and eight is enough, or Batman animated series, or even something like the Guyver Wing Commander three. You know, anything like that. But it's also just the opportunity to kind of chill because he's very laid back kind of person, so it'd be great. So I think those would be the the two that I'd be like, okay, once the experience of being out there, and of course, just going, okay, buying this, buying this, buying this, buying this. Okay, I need a new suitcase to bring all this stuff back, that kind of thing. And then the other would be just just for the experience. Experience is a good answer because, like, yeah, no, I I I feel like a total like you know materialistic (laughs) jack. But no, 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 no. I want to no, take, no. I want to take my that, answer back. Because <laughs> I want to see that chair at the end of your hallway, of your foyer. Because <laughs> you would, okay, you would spend half the time. Actually, what would be hilarious is Luna would take over that chair. Yeah, probably. <laughs> be like, don't get on that chair. I'd be like, nope, that's my chair. Dave, what about Dave? you? Oh, I, I was just going to say dovetailing off that too uh, the experiences are, are just such a great idea um i really kind of it's been a year it's been over a year since i saw a star wars movie in the theater and i i'm beginning to jones for that a little bit right now um that would be a really really nice Christmas gift because you've gotten accustomed at this point. I know us old fogies, you know, it, it's May, you know, is, is when the Star Wars movies were always used to be released. But um, it, it had kind of become a nice tradition to go to a Star Wars movie around Christmas time. And uh, it was kind of a family outing activity, you know, whether you were meeting with your extended family or, or, or just, you know, celebrating it with your nuclear family. It was. It was like, oh, let's get out of the house. Let's go to a movie. And, of course, we're going to want to go see that. Everybody wants to go see Star Wars. So um, I guess, like, that would be my future Christmas wish above and beyond anything else. Um, But, yeah, there's a lot of really cool toys out there, too. (laughs) You know the TIE Fighter grill? Have you ever seen that thing? That thing pops up on Facebook all the time. I was like, hmm. Um. You know, you talk about experiences. I think another one that, that um, you know, I've always seen, but it's like one of those things where it's like, it would be so cool, but it'd be really kind of risky um, just given the climate of everything. But when you've seen people who have gone to Tunisia and, you know, gone to all those, I remember reading in Star Wars Insider, you know, back in the late nineties, you know, the guy who went, I think it was David Reynolds, maybe. I think the last name was Reynolds, but anyway, went to found all the spots where they filmed, you know, a new hope. And he found Obi-Wan's, you know, the, uh, Obi-Wan's hut. And they found, you know, most Eisley and, and the Canyon and everything. Um, and you know, Gareth Edwards had a similar trip, you know, and drank blue milk in the Lars homestead and stuff like that. That'd be pretty cool. I, Cause I remember when we were in Ireland a couple of years ago and we actually, 
we didn't get on Skellig Michael, so I didn't get to step onto Octu, but I got to see where they filmed a Star Wars, and it was just like, yeah, it was really cool, even though I was about ready to throw up on a boat. But anyway, so yeah, so if you if you follow us online, you know, let us know some of your favorite Star Wars uh, memories and wishes, and you know, anything cool you got for Christmas this year. Um, but I think we'll we'll shift gears to our our second topic of the evening. Um, Mandalorian um and uh just some it's it's the Mandalorian what are some unanswered questions now that we're two seasons in and it's just we're just we'll just go around the horn just maybe some things like we were introduced to something expecting something and it never quite paid off um I'm gonna start and one of the things that I just find interesting is like the widow in the sanctuary episode from season one it's kind of set up where okay she knows how to shoot there's kind of looks like there's a love interest in here and that was like what episode three four four and nothing that that just seems odd that they it wasn't like it wasn't just like hey here's this widow that seems to like din but the fact that they, I mean, there's, there's a history there cause she knows how to shoot. There's a military history. What's going on? Where is this going to pay off? And then thinking it was going to go somewhere and never goes anywhere. Did that, did that strike you guys in, you know, now that, you know, looking back on that episode, you know, with me personally, I've, I felt like, I think when we watched it, I may have even commented at the time that this feels like a potential ending for him this the to end up with her um you know and if they ever do pay that off with that with, with the kids sipping spotchka and retiring is like yeah. what cara dune said yeah you know like that could be you know his ending and I, I i kind of long for that for him i think like he needs he doesn't just need resolution um with um uh, coming to terms with being a Mandalorian and with Grogu and that relationship. But I think he also deserves at this point, it's been through a lot. Uh, I think he kind of deserves a happy ending. I would love to see that happen for him. And and that's one of the happier endings I can think of is like, just find this quiet out of the way place with this person who seems to appreciate you and, you know, see where it goes. So I, I wouldn't rule that out. That was where my mind went with it. Well, that's the thing. I'm also I'm also setting myself up that I, they've they've got a long game going here. This story is longer right. than just season to see. It's they've mapped this out. So uh, some of my other you know questions I have probably could be answered next season. But anyway, that was just one that was like really like I said set up early on, and it it just struck me as like wow, there's they really hinted towards a big backstory here. And then, you know, I thought that they would even answer it in that episode. Like, damn, where'd you learn how to shoot? You know, Imperial Academy, you know, that could have been just, but they didn't, but by God, she could shoot. You know, and before we go much further with this too, I do want to like say, I like this topic because it could be potentially instructive for us later on. 
Um, like if you're following the show and you're obsessing over it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is great. I love this show. What's going to happen in season three? I think like looking at some of these sort of, you know, dangling threads, um, you might find some answers because like the biggest thing at the end of season one, we were like, well, who was that character on Tatooine? I mean, that, like that was one of the biggest is like there was a lot with the dark saber and that revelation we were like oh my gosh but like who's on tatooine you know and so we spent time talking about that and it ended up being time not wasted i think because it's like yeah that be- ended up being really 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 important yeah so dave since you got the floor what's uh, what's a dangling thread that uh like i said over both seasons that you're still wondering about Oh, I mean, the biggest thing for me, and I think we're going to get resolution on it like very quickly, uh, is what's happening on Mandalore right now. Um, and I think like Din is going to get pulled in with um, our girl. Uh, why am I spacing on her name? Bo-Katan. Uh, yeah, uh, he's going to go with Bo-Katan, and we're going to see what's going on, and we're going to get a lot of. Um, more development there um i just i think like that's i mean they they obviously they i don't think they would put that dialogue into the final episode of season two if they didn't intend to pay it off in some manner where she said hey you can come with me and he says yeah i know um and maybe i will when when all this is done well it's done they did it. They rescued the child. Uh, they have uh, Moff Gideon under wraps. Are you saying you need a Rocky Three epilogue? <laughs> That's where they're headed, right? I mean, I, it just seems like the most obvious thing in the world for us. But at the same time, I, I want to see where where they take it. So, I mean, like to, to me, that's one of the biggest things. I was like, yeah, if... And I grow, I guess Grogu resolution too. Um, how are they going to end up back together? Because I think they have to. Uh, I think that's a lot of the point of the show is fathers and sons. And I don't think you can just say, well, Grogu's out. <laughs> by, by the way, um, Dave, uh, Britt and I went to the Holy Ground um, last week. And they were showing um, uh, Lone Wolf and Cub episodes mm. it was this is really gory <laughs> you know i really will advocate for us on this on a future podcast to talk about road to perdition yes. as well i want us to dedicate an entire episode to that because that is such a great realization of this story as well cool fredo what uh, what things are unanswered things are you going over in your well, off, off the top of my head, the one that kind of popped out at me was um, Moff Gideon. And not just, we, we barely, we got a one episode with him in season one. We got one full episode with him in season two and then a couple of cameos. So we still, I mean, I don't think we've got more than 30 minutes of total screen time with the character. But he clearly has a ton of backstory and a, he's going to have a few, lot of future influence on next season. So I know it's going to get resolved, but right now it's still kind of lingering there. Um, the other one that kind of still kind of not 
not necessarily lingering, but I, I was thinking about was what happened to the bounty hunter kill? Because both Dan Jaren as well as Creed Karga were members of this guild, and now he's out. I'm surprised that we you know. I wonder if there, you know, if there's going to be any retribution from them at some point for breaking their code. We haven't, you know, we they've been on the run and they've been running away from the remnants of the empire and trying to stay a step ahead. So I wonder if we might see Bosk put him to bring him up. Uh, but I don't know. Bosk. Yeah, yeah, a character like that coming after Din Djarin for, you know, as I guess a contract for having broken their code. Because, you know, otherwise, if there's no enforcement, the code has no purpose. So, so that's the, just the two at the top, you know, right at the top of my head kind of popped up. So I'm going to I'm gonna kind of dovetail on that because the other, there's, I got the other big one. I've got another one that's kind of just sitting there, you know, kind of alongside that. But um, the other big one is I want to know who else had the bounty out on Grogu because IG 11 had explicit instructions to kill it, to kill Grogu. It wasn't bring it in and kill it if necessary. Like, which was Din's, you know, um, deal because the client. So the, I don't think the client gave different instructions to different bounty hunters. Mm -hmm. Somebody else had, a bounty out to destroy Grogu and somebody had it for capture. So, and then the other, and part of that also is that the client Werner Herzog ends up getting massacred by Moff Gideon's troops. Mm -hmm. So are they at odds? Was he working for Moff Gideon? Was yeah. I, there seems to be a more tangled web about going after Grogu than um, now if Pershing was there with the client and Pershing end up, you know, working with Moff Gideon, it's Occam's razor says they're all three working together, but there's still, there was two different orders, one to kill one to capture. You know, calls to mind the question for me would be like right off the bat: Is there somebody? Was there dissension in the ranks? In that way, like oh, I know they want this kid alive, and I know it's bad news for the galaxy if they get this kid alive. I'm going to try to have the kid off, like Doctor Pershing potentially, somebody like that making that call. But that, but that, that dialogue between IG Eleven and and the Mandalorian, uh, you know, in the first episode that I mean, they're at such, it's such a contrast that they couldn't have been acting from the same person. Uh, that's what's in my brain. Fredo, you're going to say something. Uh, I was actually going to say, just kind of dovetailing on that. The other really big unanswered question is what did they want Grogu for? We, Moff Gideon yeah. says, oh, we I got his blood, and they're worried about his M count. We have had yet to have a statement or resolution as to why were they after him? Why was he in that place surrounded by all those other bounty hunters or whatever that they were protect, was protecting him or guarding him? We still have no idea why they were sending bounty hunters after him. We still have no idea what the remnants of the Empire. I mean, 
we can guess that it's related to the whole Emperor Palpatine, but we don't even know if that's even uh, attached to this, you know, whatsoever. So all we know is Din got hired to go get him or kill him. So did our G11. And they had plans for him because they clearly kept coming after him. But we don't know what that plan is. Well, I love it. And by the way, some other things that are left dangling. Um, I love how they use the pronoun game in this series because, you know, when Ahsoka says someone took him from the Jedi Temple mm-hmm. or rescued him from the Jedi Temple, someone. And so it, it it's it, it's leaving. OK, so who who saved Grogu? That's that's a huge thing. You know, we won't get into the speculations that I've heard that are kind of interesting. Um, but um, I think that's another unanswered. But the one, other one that's been sticking is where where are the Mandalorians? Where Where's the covert? You know, and does that get into what Dave's talking about with Mandalore? Is there going to be um, a conflict between the covert that Din grew up with and, you know, like Bo-Katan's you know, people, you know, are we going to see a, a civil war for lack of better words or, um, but anyway, where did that covert go? Because the armorer was such a huge character that all of a sudden just disappears. No, I was going to say, yeah, you're right. I mean, we, there were, from what we understand from what Bo-Katan revealed to us this season, they're part of a sect within the Mandalorians, but they were in hiding. Bo-Katan, Koska, and I forget the other Mandalorian's name were not in hiding. They were being Mandalorians out in front. So why are the children of the Watch in hiding? Who are they hiding from? Where did they go? All of this dynamics within. I imagine all this is going to get roped back in for season three, but it's interesting. We did not see hair nor hide of them. Now, we didn't see it because the story was Din and Grogu's, but you would have thought at some point we might have gotten some idea of where the covert went. We didn't even get a mention from them. Well, the interesting thing is the armorer, her helmet had the horns on there, which was similar to Maul, which all of the Mandalorians who were loyal to Maul had mm-hmm. those horns on their helmets. So I wonder if they're... If, I mean, of course, Children of the Watch, Death Watch was aligned with, with Maul for um, a time, and that's why Bo-Katan said enough of this. So, I, again, that the armorer, and that's, a, that's, a, that's another link that is not paid off yet. You know, she was, she was a plot tool to get Din mm-hmm. from here to there, get it. But there's, it seems to be something deeper there than just that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're thinking about characters who who appeared uh, early on or or at all in the series. People who have shown up but have not uh, returned. I think it's fair to ask, like, are we going to see a return? You know, of so and so. And yeah, the covert I think makes a lot of sense, especially as he gets deeper and deeper into uh, his origins. Um, that's something that just hasn't really developed as much as I thought that it might by now. 
Um, but season three is setting itself up to be like hugely beneficial in terms of learning more about where he comes from, why he has this trauma, what that specific trauma means for him and what it means in terms of the larger picture um, and how that kind of relates to Bogotan and, and, and everyone else. And um, yeah, I mean, I think like it, it, it would make a lot of sense for them to say, Oh, remember those people from season one? Well, here they are. They're back. Any other, you, oh, go ahead, Fredo. Any other dang? No, you got to say, and it's it, particularly, I mean, works extrapolating that from where the season finale left it, that the main thrust of at least the opening of season three will focus on Din, Bo-Katan, the Mandalorians, and the Darksaber. So you got to figure that in some way, shape, or form, his covert's going to come back around. Because <laughs> if, if one of their members is now holding the thing that bestows power and dominion over over the rest of Mandalore as, as Mandalore, well, hey, congrats. Hey, let's go. Come on. It's like he won the power. boy. <laughs> you're my exactly. boy, Blue. Yeah. Exactly. So now we're in charge. we in charge. Not you're in charge. We're in charge. So uh, it could create an, you know, an interesting dynamic where Din gets put in the middle of who he was, who he thought he was, who he is, and all the other stuff that he's learned this past season. You know, another another one that is just kind of, you talk about characters who just came and gone, Cobb Vanth. I mean, okay, yeah, we needed a way for Boba Fett to get his armor. Okay, cool. But it just seems like there are they didn't have to go the Cobb, Cobb Vanth route. You know, Boba Fett could have gotten his armor from, you know, the Jawas. So, you know, do you, do you really feel that much allegiance to the Aftermath series and keeping that story going? Or, you know, are we? is there going to be something more... I I honestly thought we were, like I said, we were going to see him in this final episode. There was going to be part of a, a crew, kind of part of a team. But um, I don't know. That's that's another character that just seems to be, you know, one and done. That one that one feels a lot like uh, he was set up for the Boba Fett series in some respects. I guess they're both mm-hmm. going to be on Tatooine, presumably. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And because, I mean, Boba Fett kind of calls him out by name when he mentions getting back his armor. You know, in that episode where uh, uh, in the tragedy, he mentions, you got my armor from Cobb Vant. So he knows him by name. And now that he's back in on Tatooine, that he's trying to establish himself as a power, it's going to be interesting if he lets the, if he lets that slide or if he tries to uh, muscle in into that territory, If you know, if that'll bring him into conflict. You know, so I imagine, that, I imagine he'll be more uh, character in the book of Boba Fett. That's a that's a good point that I I I had I didn't draw that connection that they were going to be on the same planet. So we'll probably see more of them there. You know, and I'm not too concerned about you know we talked about earlier uh, in earlier episodes about Boba Fett's motivation. You know, yeah. but we're we're going to get all of that. You know, in the yeah. book of Boba Fett. Um, yeah. So I'm not too concerned about that. Um, anything else in season one or, or that just you know what seems to what be. We- sitting there yeah the, we haven't talked about the prison break episode much um it just might be might be a mistake on our part because like 
we've already seen some fallout from that episode uh significant fallout right um you have the droid who becomes the method for frog lady to communicate uh with him you have um bill burr making his reappearance and showing us that you know things aren't always as black and white as they appear um we have uh obviously the x-wing pilots in that whole situation and like how that um worked first worked against um din but then eventually became they became more of an ally point for cara dune um you know there's there, it, that that episode might end up being a lot more important and critical in the grander scheme than we really expected it to at, on first viewing and and so like I, I guess i would look at that and i'm wondering are we going to see more of any of those characters and what kind of roles are they going to play yeah and i think i think it kind of gets to a point that i was thinking about with uh, the bounty hunter killed and whatnot. It's the idea of Din Jaren used to have this life that was very violent, and he didn't much care for who or what he heard along the way. He was very much a, I'm just doing me for me, and I gotta, you know, I gotta put food on the table for the foundlings, and, and I gotta be a Mandalorian, and that's it. And all of a sudden, his life in the series from season one through season two has shifted so dramatically to the point that he's breaking every part of the creed that he swore allegiance to. So you got to wonder if at some point those elements of his old life are going to pop right back into his new life and continue to challenge him or continue to test him to see how true is his change by being a parent to Grogu, how real are those changes, how permanent are they? Or are they just, okay, now the kid's gone, you can go back to being the uncaring, uncompromising, guy who'll just shoot up, have a bar to get his guy, get his guy, or are you going to be more the guy who's talking to through things and made uh, bonds and connections across the galaxy? You know, some of the other things that were left un, undone, I mean, they obviously told us that they're going to uh, finish those up with the series that they, you know, announced a couple weeks back. So, like the Ahsoka stuff, I'm not too concerned about. We're going to you know, where's Grand Admiral Thrawn? Yeah, where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? Well, here's a series, kids. Okay, we're going to find out. All right. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, and some of, the, some of the characters, they just, it's really interesting. Maybe they're going to, again, this is a great place for books, but it's like um, the, um, oh gosh, in that Ahsoka um, episode, oh, the guy was in Terminator. Come on. Oh, Michael Bean. Yeah. They, they seemed like a really important character that we knew nothing about. You know what I mean? It's like, are you, are you setting up, uh, are, are they setting up some things to, like I said, just be a, a another story somewhere else? But that, that one doesn't keep me up as much as some of these others. Like uh, that, especially that one with the widow. It was just like, that is just really, they, they really, you know, set you up and then, just kind of, eh, never mind, walked away from it. So well, it's it's one of the things that I think uh, the benefit of having Dave Filoni involved so actively in this show comes from. He's got that experience from Clone Wars and Rebels about 
put dropping something in one episode and just letting it be. Moving along, moving along. Hey, now it's a big issue come season three. Now it's a big plot point season four. Now it springs springboards an arc that reshapes how you see the characters or reshapes the story in some ways. He, you know, Filoni has learned how to do that in two seasons, two series already, and he's bringing that in. So that allows, so he's got that working for him in the Mandalorian. And I think, so yeah, you're right in terms of, well, we have the widow, we haven't gone back to her, but you figure at some point we will loop around back to her. Well, we only have a year for some of these answers. So <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Anything else that we're missing uh, for the good of the order? If not, then we can uh, call this one a wrap, and uh, we'll we're we we're done with our vacations for the year. So you know we took a week off. Now we're back to doing our normal episodes. Um, um, but Dave, where can people find us for uh, if they want to listen to this podcast? Like they're already listening now, but how can they tell their friends to find us? If people can, um, yeah, regardless of how you're listening to us now, we try to make it super easy on you so you can find us on pretty much any platform that, that people use for podcasting. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn and Alexa, Amazon Music and Audible, iHeartRadio. Uh, I think that's it uh, for now anyway. Um, we're also on Facebook. And so like with that, I would encourage people to talk to us and react to this episode. Do you have your own Christmas memories that you'd like to share or and or Mandalorian uh, uh, threads you'd like to see paid off? And one of the best things you can do is just uh, have somebody, you know, share the podcast with somebody else. Say, hey, give this a listen. Um, so uh, we are the Who Dat Jedi podcast. So we got to do a little bit of who dadding here. Um Bears game, how we feel? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I, look, every uh, Saints game, I walk in just assuming we're going to get our butts handed to us. So it's always a nerve-wracking thing at our household. But um, I like our chances, though. Yeah, I mean, we they took us to overtime, but we ended up winning the game against them early in the year. That was a game where I, I laugh because I know so many Bears fans, and they're all calling for Mitch Trubisky to, to get back under center. I'm just like, Really? It's that bad? Apparently it was that bad. So um, I don't, I don't put it this way. I'm not fearful of anybody left on the board. Although yesterday I, I kind of went on Twitter and kind of went, well, we beat the Bears and Washington beats the Bucks. We would play the Bucks, And then say Seattle, the Rams beat the Seahawks and they shock Green Bay. We might get the Rams versus the Saints in the NFC Championship game as a rematch. Oh, you, you're just moving all the chess pieces around. Um, just being evil. Just being, just imagine that a whole week of having to relive the no call. So, uh, oh, Dave, how do you, how do you feel? I, you know, fine. Uh, I'm not nervous or anything. I'm just really grateful. I mean, like all the rumors about Drew Brees and like, oh, this is going to be his last year and everything that seemed to be confirmed this week where it sounds like this is his last I'm sorry, year. you break maybe. half your ribs. I'm sh- I'm sure that you're probably really going to be thinking about, oh, yeah, maybe I am done. It's like it's yeah. like uh, in um, when in Spider-Man, uh, well, 
which one was civil war and spider-man and iron man says you're done it's like no i can go yeah i'm done i'm just gonna lay (laughs) here for a while (laughs) yeah yeah no i mean like he's earned it right um i just you know i've seen a lot of people that have like called for the saints to move on from him oh we lost teddy or, or you know this that and the other and it just boggles my mind head that people don't appreciate him and, and what he did. And again, I know some of that's political, you know, oh, I don't like he, that he said this thing or that, but it's just, this is a hall of fame quarterback that has set numerous NFL passing records. And you're just gonna, you're going to have to move on from that and settle for something worse. Yeah, that's that's the future. And so I'm just like, I'm like, all right, let's 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 enjoy him while we got him. You know, maybe one game, maybe a couple, maybe God willing through a Super Bowl. But to um, yeah, to Fredo's point, um, I, I think the only team that can beat the Saints in this playoff picture are the Saints. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's, that's the hard part, because it all depends on what team shows up that game day. I have, and I have said, this has been my quote for me, because I grew up in Nebraska. I went to Nebraska games when it was, you know, 30 below zero and, you know, it was awful. And I said, if it, if somebody came to me and said, hey, I got tickets to the NFC championship, it's the Saints versus the Packers in Lambeau, free tickets, best seats in the house. Here you go. Do you want them? I would say no. Um, I would not go to that game. I don't want to sit in the cold like that. However, I will say this. I feel better about playing in Lambeau against the Packers because we got a run game. Because we got a run game. We've got an offensive line, and we got great backs. Um, so, like I said, the only team that can beat us, I think, is us. So, um, so for the love of God, Alvin, just wear a mask, and everybody, you know, just – Stay home or in the practice facility, you know. Let's stay out of the nightclubs. Yeah. So, with that, we will all say who dat? Who dat? Who dat? And uh, hope you all have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next time. My country.